Jerry Fragon and Doug Connolly work for Taylor Fragon Capital Management. All opinions expressed should not be relied upon for your individual investment advice. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Taylor Fragon Capital Management and its clients may maintain positions in securities discussed. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon Capital Management. If you are a Taylor Fragon client, please remember to contact Taylor Fragon in writing if there are any changes in your personal financial situation or investment objectives for the purpose of reviewing, evaluating, or revising our previous recommendations and or services, or if you would like to impose, add, or to modify any reasonable restrictions to our investment advisory services. A copy of Taylor Fragon Capital Management's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request. I don't know. We're rolling. We're going to figure it out. Okay. The uh, This is the Long Only Podcast. This is Doug. This is Jerry. And I decided to record early and I'm hitting the... Uh, we have, I wanted to record the conversation we have right before every show. What are we going to talk about? Exactly. We plan so well for these things. Yes. Well, our life is planning. That's Jerry, true. Jerry and I are both battling through a, a cough that seems to be disassociated from the accompanying cold. Correct. That, that's what we're both standing behind. So It's, a, it's odd because I feel fine, but I can't stop coughing. And my cough, it's even more odd that it seems to be happening at night, particularly. And at night, yes. I've noticed like sunset. That's, uh, I, I noticed that's, like two in the morning. Well, I know. <laughs> it figures that laying down would, uh, I guess, you know, would, it's would extremely cause it. annoying. Yes. But it's a fascinating subject for our listeners. It is. To hear. So we'll move on. I'm standing behind the salary. That's what I think. So works for me. Phoenix. Well, Scottsdale is a place to be this week. We've got the uh, waste management open here and then dovetailing right into the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl on the other side of town. So with traffic is a zoo. It's a mess here. But. That happens when we live in paradise. It's a popular place this week. It is, yes. Um, and then spring training. Yeah. It's going to be kicking off here shortly. That's true. Very true. Did you ever go to spring training when you were not a resident? Did you come here for those? I think I have. I did a couple times, yes. No, I don't think I did come a couple times to spring training. Gotcha. We went to one game and I think my daughter started stroking out. She was just lying underneath a, a blanket in the sun. She just got really quiet for a while. So might not have been. That's, and then we went to another game later on in the week. And then my other, my son got lost. So. I understand that going to the fall league games is really fun too. There's like nobody there, but it's you know, professional baseball players. I've heard those. I've heard that as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to announce, a couple things. We have an email now. I set it up. Oh, long only at taylorforgone.com. You guessed it. Yeah. There you go. I could have gone podcast at taylorforgone.com, but I decided to go long only, reinforce the brand just a little bit. And then we also have an Instagram account that is uh, just underway. (laughs) There it is. So the Instagram, (laughs) Jerry steps away to hack up along. Taylorforgone.invest is our Instagram handle. It's pretty new. There's only a couple posts on there, but we have some content backed up. We're releasing it. So... It's good for that. So it, it, thanks to everyone for listening. We've, we're on pace for a really good month podcast-wise. So I don't know. Doug is forcing us to be consistent. Yes, it does. It does help. So speaking of consistency. Yes. There's an investment theme in there. Can yes. you figure it out? 
nothing about I nothing about what I see in investing has anything to do with consistency these days. So. Well, I would argue that you have to be consistently applying your strategy in a disciplined manner. Well, yeah, in a perfect world, I'm just talking about we see no consistency in the market. But well, the yeah. market is the model of inconsistency. Yes, yes, and unpredictability. The as I said when I was a teacher, I've tried everything with these kids, but consistency. <laughs> so. How about when you were a stand-up comic? Uh, I mean, were you talking about what worked? No. Were you consistent? Uh, yes. Consistently angry. Consistently frustrated. Angry. Yes. Okay. So That's good. I wasn't a ranter, mind you, but just the... Uh, no, I was consistent in how I, how I did it. Who was, yeah. that, who was that comedian that was... I think it was Steven something who was like super dry, never had any emotional look on his face. And uh, yes, that is. And uh, spoke kind of like this. Yes. Uh, why am I blanking on this? Stephen comment? Because uh, Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. Yes. Is he still out there somewhere? I believe so. I you know, ironically, uh, I wasn't a big fan of his, but my style was very similar. I was going to say you had to be like him. Yeah, it was like set up, punch, set up, punch. You know, it wasn't yeah. a storyteller or anything like that. Yeah. And the minute I started going off on politics, that, or like I became, at least in the crowds, view unfunny. Well, so, usually it is unfunny, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. So some people can pull it off, but I, I well, try some to. Some people who are really good at impressions can kind of get into the political thing and do okay, I think. Who was, I there was another one. Was it Rich Little? He used to do pretty good impressions. Yeah, but he didn't do it like real. It wasn't highbrow political humor or anything like no, that. No, no. I, I, not not big on impressions. Not, no. not big on that. No. You don't like impressions? No, not real. Okay. Not really. Never mind. I'd say, hey, who wants to see an impression of a really bad comic? <laughs> and, then, and then say, hey, who wants to see an impression? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So... Anyway, Rich Little was good at what he did, but not my bag. But that was an interesting time. Made him a living. It did. It did. That was back in Austin. We've got some listeners in Austin, by the way. I don't know if really? people who know me. Yeah. So huh. what's going on? So feel well, free. Well, you're to- from, well, you were, you lived in Austin for a while. Yeah. I don't know if people, I'm not used to people in Austin paying attention to me. So we'll, we'll see uh, if that's other people or people I know, but they're welcome to email the show. What does long only mean? I put that in the uh, description it's coming in the description on Instagram, right? Because I'm sure the Instagram account is a way of kind of democratizing ourselves a little bit because we've got our, we've got our business, but we're, we've got the mutual fund and we want obviously people to take advantage of the mutual fund. Everyone's got you know, the symbol for that being TFCGX. Mm-hmm. So are we allowed to actually talk about what we do on the podcast? I know regulations are pretty. I don't know. Probably so, not. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure the the regulate, regulation Nazis are about ready to bust the door down. We're investment advisors and we don't want you talking about investments or advice. The one I love is the regulation which says that you can't you can't tell somebody to open a retirement account. Or to, no, to roll to over roll their over. retirement account. It's I, like, no, I'm in the business of managing money for people, but it's against the regulations for me to tell you that you should roll over your retirement account under our management. It's just really mind-boggling, but anyway. I was actually hoping you'd bring that up because I wasn't going to bring it up because I wasn't sure if I'd set us up for... There, that is such a ludicrous it's totally reg- regulation. Nuts. And every advisor has to follow it for anything involving a rollover and <coughs> check the box on this uh, on this requirement. Yes, it's, it's silly, but you know we don't want to... I'm sure they're listening, so let's not get into any more trouble. 
Yeah, not that we're doing anything wrong. Yeah. We're just pointing out it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Just pointing out. There's lots of things that are ludicrous in our business, but that's probably one of the ones that's most ludicrous. That definitely stands out. That's a, a windmill that you and I have both fought unsuccessfully with our compliance officer. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So the, our, our compli- I figured out that my relationship with our compliance officer is kind of like uh, the Drew Carey show with Drew and the, the crazy lady, Mimi. At, the, at his office, his foil, except I, I'm Mimi and our compliance officer, Drew Carey. <laughs> so, I was going to say, maybe this podcast should be a Seinfeld episode about nothing. About nothing. The, well, going on about the Instagram account, we're trying to publicize our mutual fund, TFCGX, which is the strategy we run and is our core strategy. So, Well, and we've always said we wanted to be able to invest money for people of all wealth levels. And that's the best way to do it for folks. I mean, you can start with what, a thousand dollars? Yeah, I think so. And you can go directly to our uh, mutual fund provider uh, to do that. And then, or you can just go to, uh, you can find information on that on the website, taylorforgone.com. And again, the Instagram, taylorforgone.investing. Also, most of the major brokerages have access to our mutual fund. So it's not hard to find. It's not that niche. So are we going to talk about investing? We are. We're talking about it right now. People investing. Oh, in I guess we are. Are we yep. going to talk about like investment strategy or invest? What's going on out there? Well, consistency. You said you wanted to. Well, it's just it's as simple. You have to be consistent in how you deliver a, an investment strategy. And I, actually, that sounds simple. Sounds obvious, but I think there's a lot of inconsistency actually out there. And and, and, and I might even go so far as to say that. It's possible that most investors, frankly, whether it's you know the retail investor or the institutional investor, probably are way more inconsistent than they should be. Um, you might recall the study, I think it was Dalbar that did a study uh, and has done that study. I don't, I don't know if they're still doing it. I imagine they are, where they look back 20 years of mutual fund investing to determine what was the average return for a mutual fund investor versus what the overall market did. And I mean, it was like egregiously lower. Yep. It was, you know, I'm throwing numbers out, but like if the, if the average market return was something like 11%, the average investor did like two or three or something. Yeah. It was like half. Yeah. If if, less than half, less than half. I mean, it was really bad. And the answer for why was because people were constantly buying and selling their funds at the wrong time. You know, they buy funds when they had just gone way up. They sell funds when they've gone down and the net effect was horrible for them as far as long-term performance. They didn't even come close to performing as well as the market. Um, there's, there's just a great lesson in that. It, it doesn't do you any good to try and time ups and downs. I don't care what anybody says. I've never seen it in almost four decades being consistently applied. Have somebody that has consistently been able to to trade successfully using that term consistent. So what's consistent, just sticking to a strategy of owning businesses and staying with it. I think that's what I meant. Sticking to and staying with it. Same thing. But I just don't think that's applied as much as the average person, the average investor. And again, I think institutional or retail doesn't matter because by the way, that same type of study was done for institutional investors. And was found to be pretty similar. 
Um, one of the worst aspects of that was that something like 80% of all the transactions in mutual funds anyway, take place with an advisor attached to it. Uh, I mean, we work with advisors, but hopefully, you know, we're, we would like to try and help those advisors to stay more consistent and not be making those kinds of mistakes for their, for their clients because it's, it's devastating. But I think it's way more, as evidenced by that study, I think it's way more pervasive than most things. Everyone feels compelled to do something when mm-hmm. things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's also sometimes when things go right. But they feel, they feel they, the need to actually take action. And sometimes, and oftentimes the best thing to do is do nothing or, or do nothing different. Do the exact same thing. This comes home to roost. Be centered, be still. Be centered, be still. Yes. Do nothing. Do nothing. Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. What? There have been studies that show also that to that similar note of the Dalbar study that oftentimes the best performing accounts are those of dead people. So <laughs> I've not heard that one. Yeah, that's, that's good. Though. That might be apocryphal, but I think it's probably true also. So, yeah. Yeah. Could well be. I once when I was working with a friend who was, who was uh, uncovering some old accounts, trying to help him get organized. And he discovered some, you know, old account he forgotten he had. And he obviously he probably hadn't touched it in eight years. And obviously the returns were great. Yeah, you know, I don't even I don't even need to tell you what market environment you're in. But if you haven't looked at something in in eight years and gotten in your own way and you for that long, you probably it's probably going to be worth more than what you put into it. You know? Yeah. So I don't even need to know the start year, the stop year. So it's it's pretty it's generally going to work out in your favor as opposed to the good thing is this guy actually ironically was very unlikely to have touched the money anyway. So he was good at uh, sticking to it. But guess what his profession was. Stand-up comic? Nope. What? Teacher. Ah. So. Teachers are not bad. No offense to, I, I, well, in my experience, two, the two hardest professions to work with. I know what you're going to say. Can I guess? Yes. Doctor and engineer. Engineers, one. Doctor, not really. At least not in my experience. I know others have said it's been horrible with doctors, but I haven't had that experience. Pilots. Pilots, because they're they're very control freaks. Oh, I was going to say a lot of them are um, kind of cowboys and very. My experience risky. is it's been it's been the control freak factor. Okay. It's just like they're so used to being in control of the of the plane. They're at the they're at the they're in the cockpit, you know, steering away or whatever. Of course, now they stick it on. Actually, stick it on autopilot most of the time, right? The computers take off and land and everything. It's crazy. I wonder if there's a problem with that. It could be. It might be a parallel to algorithmic investing. <laughs> what if the algorithms factored in wrong? Yep. I don't know either. But anyway, enough picking on pilots. Sorry for all of you pilots and engineers out there. My son is an engineer. I'm trying to keep him from becoming one of those types. But anyway. He seems pretty on it. So far. Okay. We'll see how we'll see what. You know, 10 years from now, after being in the, in the profession for that long, if he's still that way, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we will see. But they're also extremely necessary people, both of them. And, you know, they just happen to have been a little bit harder to deal with from an investment management standpoint, in my, in my experience. Um, and they know who they are, so they're probably laughing right now if they're listening to this. Um, 
So what about the market? It's going sideways. Well, so we just had a pretty good run in the month of January. Well, yeah, but for the last week. So, this last week's kind of a little bit up, down, up, down, up, down, the, up, down. Um, Not making much net progress, right? I think Powell sneezed. And so then everyone sold. But then he coughed. They were buy again. So. Yeah, the hanging on every, you know, s- syllable of, of Fed speak is, is, is somewhat annoying. Uh, we had somebody, one of the institutional brokers that we deal with, said to me the other day, it's like, yeah, don't you love how everybody's a, everybody's a, a macroeconomist today? Um, it's so true. Um, nobody ever is able to really consistently predict what the economy is going to do either, any more than they can predict what the market's going to do on a short-term basis. Actually, I would argue that the you know, economics profession is probably even worse as far as its ability to predict what's going to happen. Economists and you and I both majored in economics. Mm-hmm. Mine didn't take, so I got a math degree to make up for it. But also, but economists can't even predict the past. <laughs> they can't agree on what happened. No, they can't agree on what happened or why it happened. You know, so if you that's 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 very true. I'm sure if you talk to enough of them, they would you get people saying that you know Jimmy Carter set the table for Reagan in the '80s. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that. Uh, it is remarkable that we haven't been able to get to a point where we recognize, and when I say we, I mean, just like the broader, both economic and, um, shall I say, investment management world, sort of, and, and certainly in the political world, getting to the point where they, they are able to kind of come to a consensus of what works and what doesn't. Um, it, it, we t- we've talked about it a little bit when we talk about the Phillips curve to get a little bit technical on economics. Uh, a, a, an economic theory that inflation and employment have an inverse relationship. Or I should say, when it, let's put it this way, when, when, when employment is high or unemployment is low, uh, in, that, that can be inflationary. So it's akin to saying that economic growth causes inflation. Yep. So you've, you're going to have to deal with either unemployment or inflation, one or the other. Right. Yeah. That's the theory. Been completely disproven for decades. And yet we have a Fed today that's basing much of their decision-making on Phillips curve thinking. Can't have too hot of a labor market. That's going to create inflation pressures. You know, Dick Taylor used to say there's good inflation and there's bad inflation. And what he meant by that was the normal course of business causing prices to go up and down is part of supply and demand working itself out. That's good inflation. If it's inflationary, it's good. If it's deflationary, it's good. It's part of the economic cycle. It's, it's what causes economic activity to pick up or economic activity to subside to meet that, you know, that equilibrium, get pricing right um, or, and to get supply and get output and demand right. The bad inflation is what Milton Friedman taught us. Too much money chasing too few goods. And we've had a classic example of that in the last few years with the 40 plus percent increase in the money supply causing one of the worst inflations we've had in what, 40 years or something. 
excuse me, as I cough again. However, it just doesn't seem that we can get powers to be either, either in the political realm or, you know, the bureaucratic realm or for that, that matter, the investment management realm to recognize that. Now on the investment management side, it may well be, and I've said this enough, that you have to play the, the hand you're dealt. And this is the way they play. This is what the, the way they think. So you kind of have to uh, uh, you know, maybe react accordingly. It's just one more example, though, of why it's folly. All of it's folly trying to figure this stuff out. And it's another thing that Dick Taylor taught me was, you know, he, he would sit back and throw his hands up in the air you know, as far as, you know, what's the economy going to do? I don't know. But I do know XYZ company is run by some great people. They got a great product in front of a great field and they're going to do well over time. Don't know exactly when it's going to be manifest in the value of the company, but it's going to be at some point. Uh, yeah, I just wish we could get back to that more of that. I and mean, we're never going to get, get, you know, to where everybody's focusing on that. If we did, it would be a much better place. The economy would be in a much better place. Um, but if we can even get some of it, you know, well, I think we've thrown this out already on this podcast, something like only 15% of financial activity is in, is for capital formation. The rest is just nonsensical, you know, trading, basically trying to guess what's going to happen next. That's just not valuable to the economy. It's not something that creates, it's false economy. Like a rocket chair, lots of activity, not much, not much progress, not just much progress, lots of back and forth. Yep. Yeah. So we have to play that hand though. It's what's dealt to us. And, and it's important, I think, in the, as we've also said before, that you just, yeah, it's all, it's all in a, to the, you have to look at this all in, in the context of the degree to which things are good or bad. Um, we'll get, you know, you, you get through difficult times. I you know, laugh also at the comment of, um, you know, we live in unpredictable times or, you know, things are very unpredictable. And I like to say, when are things, when are things predictable? I mean, I, I guess over time, you could, there are certain causes and effects that you can kind of see are going to happen like a 40 some odd percent increase in the money supply with shutting down the economy. It was pretty clear that that would cause inflation. It wasn't necessarily clear to us because we've been through inflationary times before that it was going to just slaughter growth companies, for example, because that's a natural thing. Well, if that was so obvious, why, you know, I wouldn't react to that. Well, one reason is you know, we had about 75% of our account was with capital gains. It would have been just an absolutely disastrous tax bill, um, which you would never get back. Whereas the market values of companies will come back. They're already starting to. Um, but, you know, so, you know, some obvious things like that are predictable. But as far as what the, you know, what, what's going to happen in the next six months, 12 months, whatever, you know, there's no, there's, there's no predicting. Um, and there's no, there's more than anything, there's no predicting how creative entrepreneurs are going to manage through these kinds of things and create new products and services that people haven't thought of before. And that's, that's probably the biggest, you talk about economists can't even agree on the past. Well, I, I would agree with that, but they can't, for sure, they don't see the major disruptive changes that are, you know, what really drive economic activity. Uh, and I think, you know, we, I think we're at the, 
is still in the midst of a significant growth in in innovation. And I'm not talking about the buzzwords like AI and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, it's funny how AI has been around, artificial intelligence has been around for as long as I think I've been in this business. It's, it's something that we've, we've been talked about for forever. The computers are going to run things. Well, as our friend George Gilder taught us, you need an Oracle to, to run any computer program. So don't think for a second that suddenly the computers are are going to run away with make their own decisions or making decisions that are programmed. But, and it's useful by the way. And all that is, is a, is an ever faster uh, computing technology, right? The faster, the, the faster the computing technology, the more efficient so-called AI is. Doug wants to cough now. I want to cough so bad. <laughs> um, but Yeah, I, I, but neither here nor there. The breakthroughs in technological breakthroughs in, in medical devices and, uh, you know, how computing is done, decentralization and whatnot. These are things that are going to dramatically change the landscape over the course of the next 10 years or so and give us a whole lot more, uh, you know, shall I say, uh, benefits to standard of living and health and what have you that, uh, you know, kind of got set back here, no doubt with the COVID debacle, but lo and behold, entrepreneurs are out there, you know, driving forward with their ideas, um, whether it be in quantum computing, you know, that's making breakthroughs or, you know, what's been happening with healthcare, um, particularly medical devices is some really amazing stuff that's being done that used to require Invasive surgery, for example, that now is minimally or non-invasive, that's accomplishing objectives much more safely and less pain and what have you. So we look to that and say, yeah, that almost does become predictable. Don't know exactly how, but that's it's predictable in that those changes and those innovations are going to happen. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Yes. That's what we're seeing. All right. Well, we're up on our time, so we can end it there. In the meantime, remember, you can email us with any feedback at longonly at taylorforgon.com and check us out on Instagram at taylorforgon.investing. Oh, we didn't say what long only means. Yeah, next time. Next time? Yeah. We'll start there. Yeah. Okay. It should be on our Instagram feed before too long, but you have to check that out. All right. Well, we will see you then. So in the meantime, rate us on iTunes and tell your friends uh, if you like it. And if you don't, don't tell your friends. Uh, But I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. Thanks for joining us on the Long Only Podcast. Podcast.